1: Every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe. Vikings
0: come out and play. Oh, wait a I see Let me put some what are you with me now. Up, it. Cousins throws pass
1: Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bleed in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. Uh, we also got Ron from Franchise Tagged and Cody from Franchise Tagged. He's from South Dakota, just like myself. He lives in western South Dakota. I live in the southeast portion. Uh, This is the post-Super Bowl and the off-season edition of Believe in Vikings. Uh, Tonight, we're going to have a Vikings-only show on analysis. We do not have any guests, but next week, we'll have Antoine Winfield Sr., whose son just became a Super Bowl champion over the weekend. Uh, So yeah, tonight, we're going to talk a bunch of stuff about uh, the kicking situation, Kirk Cousins, the Super Bowl, and how it applies to the Vikings, Clint Kubiak, Zimmer on the hot seat, um, all that type of stuff. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. For example, if you placed a bet on the underdog uh, Buccaneers this past weekend, you would have been victorious um, because Tampa Bay absolutely shellacked the Kansas city chiefs and came out to victorious. So um, if you have other bets in that underdog vein, you can slide on over to betonline.ag. whether it be basketball or hockey um, bet online, even covers awards, TV shows and reality TV uh, bet online has hundreds of props with real time odds and almost anything you can imagine. And of course the 24 24- hour, Uh, our online casino is available. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off uh, a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, That is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And it's at betonline.ag, betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. All right. Welcome to the show, Cody. How are you out in South Dakota today?
0: Oh, feeling good. Feeling good. It's been a bit brisk today,
2: but Yeah, right. I'm uh East River and cold here as well, so I'm guessing it's the same out there.
0: Yeah. All right. It's not right. too much snow, but just the one know
2: chills. how it is
1: here?
2: Yeah, let's hear how it is in <laughs> Miami. Right now the
1: current temperature is, is dun, 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 dun.
2: seventy-three degrees. Seventy-three, yeah. It's like the ideal temperature in the world he's got it sweet how you doing tonight ron i'm good good can't complain how about you not bad we're gonna hop into about 10 or 11 vikings topics we do not have any guests this week that are former players other than Kenny. Uh, but we do have cody and he's going to opine on some of these vikings analysis things so this is a Vikings show only on current events so uh, the first thing i want to talk about and i really I'm not a fan of giving it legs, but we got to give the listeners what they want. Um, Kirk cousins has been the subject of about three trade rumors this off season, None of which really are credible. Two of which that are just cooked up, I think by talking heads and the most credible one, if you even want to call it, that is to San Francisco, but that one's been floating around for quite some time. Um, Cody, I want to ask you, do you, I just kind of shot that whole thing in the, in the foot. Do you think any of those trade cousins things are credible?
0: Yeah, uh... Not really. I mean, I guess with Denver and their situation, they just got our, what was it? Vice general manager Patton. Yes. Um. So seeing or having him see Kirk throughout his career here, mm-hmm. um, it gives it a little bit of footing, but nothing that should get people talking as much as they did.
2: Yeah. And if I recall correctly, Cousins, was on their radar in 2018. I know Mm -hmm. at least that was speculated. I don't know if they ever sat down and talked to him, but it was like the Bills, Cardinals, Browns, Jets, and us – and uh, I know this cuz one of my close friends is a Broncos fan and before I even knew too much about Cousins he was all about it saying this is all we need is a guy who can actually you know throw 25 30 touchdowns but then and then and then it turns out my team got him and he was like god dang it so <laughs> All right McKinney, what about you do you see any credibility to the trade Cousins stuff or do you think it's all hoopla
1: I think it's hoopla Yeah um, yeah I don't really see any any truth coming to it
2: Okay. And Ron, uh, I know you'll have a question for us on the similar topic, but what do you think? Do you see any scenario where Cousins would be dealt this offseason? So I don't see us actively shopping him or dealing him, but
3: I do see the credibility as far as the Niners interest, obviously his uh, relationship with Shanahan um, and then the fact that they can get out of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract pretty easily. Um, so I can see why they would want to make that push. Um, but I think the nail on the coffin to any of those rumors uh, would be the fact that we promoted Kubiak to the offensive coordinator. I think that continuity is uh, primarily dependent on getting the most out of Kirk and letting him have, um, you know, again, that continuity. We've talked about it. Um, several times on this on this show about uh, just keeping that the same mm-hmm. tone with the offense, and uh, I think that is kind of that first step of uh, you know what now we have our our offense is set we're gonna move forward with what we have.
2: Okay, and here's my thought on it. So when Cousins struggled out of the gate, especially against the Colts and then the Falcons, where he was downright bad, um, we were one in five, and we looked around at each other and thought, well, maybe if this is the real cousins coming out after three years and he's not going to be good again. Then in theory, it would make sense that he could perhaps go to the 49ers because of his connection to Kyle Shanahan. Well, cousins turned it around, had an outstanding November and a pretty darn good uh, December. Um, and then we got to the offseason. There's still that segment of the fan base that doesn't like him. Just, they won't change their mind. They won't like him. And then you have two tweets from one man named Evan Massey, Of NFL analysis and then Ross Tucker I don't remember what he represents but they're both verified on Twitter and they both said that they're hearing that Cousins is on the market and then probably to San Francisco and once you see something like that then it gets legs and then we all start talking about it when we don't hear anything from Spielman or Vikings camp so I think it was probably a Niners thing driven to Put feelers out there so in the off chance the vikings did want to divorce cousins that you know at least there's that communication pipeline out there um but i just don't like especially with ron said i don't see it materializing because we're keeping continuity and as far as i'm i believe i think the vikings like cousins and we just get so bogged down in the every day of trying to defend him that we don't realize that hey probably a good 80 percent of the fans are like this dude's pretty good so Right. Uh, what's, what's well, and that kind of leads right
3: into, yeah, yeah that kind of leads right into uh, my question. It's um, I mean, growing up a Minnesota Vikings fan, you know, we've seen the coaches like, you know, for the most part, not having stability and same with the quarterbacks um, you know, Brian, you probably, you went through more than a handful of quarterbacks yourself in your career, but mm-hmm. it really minus the couple of years with Culpepper before he hurt his knee. And then Teddy before he hurt his knee, we haven't had a franchise guy. So with Kirk being in his the prime of his career you know he's 32 years old um and you know it's R- russell wilson's young and they're the same age apparently so um but why is that or, or, Well, for one part kirk and zimmer in their own right they're very polarizing among vikings fans and i would think more so than the national media other than kirk's primetime and monday night record um he's not you know cast eyes across the country like he is here with his own fans and i just want to know what your guys thoughts are why is he so poor or why are the two of them combined so polarizing and i guess it's not like we've had a stable of the green bay's quarterbacks or pittsburgh's coaches over the years it's so uh, to, to me it's baffling
2: all right what do you got cody why are these two gentlemen cousins zimmer so damn polarizing
0: well i think <clears throat> zim's been here for seven Eight years now, I think. And fans of the Vikings, they've basically been tired of like, we want to win, we want to ring, we want to ring. And getting close to that in 2017, sort of like, oh, we can actually do this, you know, and like we're a position or we're a quarterback away. And then they signed Kirk for this record deal of all this guaranteed money. And then people just like, pushed him up and pushed him up. And then the entire 2018 season happened and they're like, Oh, Kirk's not worth the money. So I think with Kirk, it's his contract. People sort of get that in their head a bit too much. And with Zim, it's just, I guess he's been here too long, but I mean, Andy reid he (laughs) went 20 years without a ring or 20 years head coaching without a ring. I mean these things take time.
2: Yeah, and then he got his and he became infallible and then now they got their ass kicked uh last weekend and it's kind of like, hmm, was that a was that a one-hit deal for him? I mean, not for Mahomes, but for it, it felt like the real Andy Reid showed up again at least in terms of coaching. But he's a fabulous coach, don't get me wrong, but the way that I have felt my whole life about Andy Reid of always being the guy getting close I was unsurprised when everything started to go pear shaped because I was like, "This is the Andy Read that I've seen," uh, and just happened to break through the one year. Uh, McKinney, why are Cousins and Zimmer such a lightning rod for criticism?
1: Um, because you got to blame somebody. <laughs> so it's no, one's gonna be the head coach <laughs> or the quarterback. So <laughs> yeah, those are the uh emotions. Right, so go-outs. I feel like you know, um, um, I guess Viking fans probably are a little impatient and definitely have had some great teams. They just quite couldn't get over home to get to a Super Bowl. So, you know, after a while, people are kind of getting impatient.
3: I get that part of it, too. Yeah. Obviously, like, I've lived it, um, you know, for, you know, 30 years of getting close and not quite getting there. So I understand mm-hmm. the frustration, but to me, it seems like a lot of the fans out there, it's like, you know, want to blaming Kirk because he'll never get us a ring, or not, Zimmer will never get us a ring, but then it's like, no one has. So who's to say that they can't like, I don't get it. Like, you know, I don't know. To me, it's weird um, in that sense, because it's like, like literally Kirk is the best quarterback we've had. Like as far as multiple year span for as my, lifespan. Like, I mean, we've now had him as a starter three years in a row, which it took almost a decade for us to get that continuity. So, um, I, I, I will never understand the, like the knee jerk reaction of, it's not like he's bad. He's not ponder bad. It's he's been, you know, at worst, he's an average quarterback in the NFL. So top 15 at his best, he could be a top eight to five, but it's again, eliminating those bad games. Um, Mm. so I don't understand it, but, um, You know, fortunately, it seems like he has the boat of confidence from Zimmer and Spielman, and really, that's all that matters.
2: I have uh, two reasons for both men, and uh, I've I've had to put this in perspective for myself several times because I'm like you. I think. You too, Cody. Where I'm like, what? The, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I be objective about this? So with cousins, you nailed it. Both of you, all of you, nailed it on the head with money. Uh, and Ron, you talked about this either one show ago or two shows ago. It's all because he carries that price tag that puts him in the category of quasi elite. Um, if somehow, some way, you know, he became a humanitarian and wanted to play for 12, 10 million per year, then he would probably be praised to high heavens, you know, because then they feel like they'd be getting a bang for a buck. So the moment that he got that guaranteed money attached to him, then he was supposed to be like, uh, at that time, Rogers-esque or Wilson-esque. And he's just not quite that good. He's good, but he's not that good. And then uh, the other kicker on him is his personal quarterback record. For those that think that quarterbacks should be adjudicated by wins and losses, it's 51-51-2. and two. So he's paid about $30 million per year. And if you believe that that quarterback record is a cogent way to evaluate quarterbacks, he's average, like the definition of it. And he should be better than that. But then you have to remember that he's played in Washington and then he got above water here. And I believe he's 25, 22, and one. You know, if you just strip the teams down to bare quarterbacks. And, and they're wrongly.
3: Lead this with a caveat, like the the
2: Super Bowl rings, but Eli Manning, I'm pretty sure was 116, yeah, he's 116. Exa- yeah, he. So <laughs> it's, it's only like him. God, I tweeted this out. I can't remember the other dude. There's like it's there's only like three guys in NFL history that have an exact 500 record, and it's it's Eli Kirk and somebody else. I'll look it up here when one of you guys starts chatting again. Um, on Zimmer, I'll make it quick. Um. I believe since he joined the team, the Vikings have either the seventh best record in the NFL or eighth best record because of this seven and nine season. But that's damn good when you stand alone look at it. But if I recall correctly, every single man ahead of him has a Super Bowl ring. So I can tell them I'm blue in the face, say that Cousin or uh, excuse me, Zimmer is the seventh best coach in the NFL by win loss record. But every single time they're going to say, "But where's the Super Bowl?" Because the dudes that are ahead of him have it. Um, and the other thing on Zimmer that's unfair is his age. Uh, we get enamored with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and all of these young guys uh, that, I, I, that I, I just don't get it uh, that don't win Super Bowls. But uh, we think that because they're innovative and genius, young offensive minds, that that's who we should have lead our team, even though all these old guys keep winning Super Bowls as coaches. And Zimmer's the antithesis of that. He's not overly innovative on offense. He's pretty damn innovative on defense but on offense in our fantasy football world we want score and we want points and Zimmer really doesn't give a damn about that. He wants to hold the other team to not many points and then score enough and get the hell out of the building. So when you look around at teams that are having quasi success like the Rams and sometimes the 49ers, they look different because they're led by younger men. So All right, the next thing I got is it wasn't a breaking news yesterday, but it was a tidbit that I didn't expect to see this early. Uh, The Vikings signed a kicker, uh, Greg Joseph, from the practice squad of the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Uh, Joseph previously kicked for the Titans in the postseason, and he was perfect there. He hit one field goal and nine extra points that were uh, 100%. So, uh, McKinney, do you think uh, Dan Bailey, he struggled mightily last year. He was damn good the year before. Do you think that Bailey will be the kicker um, or do you think it will be this new gentleman or somebody
1: else? They'll probably compete during like the off season and, and training camp, and things like that. Yeah. And you'll see who has the best rhythm. Cause sometimes bringing somebody in, mm-hmm. makes somebody else, the other person step up and really focus in. So yeah, I think it will be a competition.
2: Okay. Yeah. that it, We would pay Bailey to do that and it would, but it wouldn't be like a, a super super figure would be I think 1.8 million to solidify his deal in March. Um and we just don't know if his yips are everlasting or if it was a one-time thing because usually he's consistent. But it happens to every Vikings kicker that comes through the door under Zimmer. They're they're good for a couple months, maybe a year, and then something goes weird. It's it's a plague. Uh Cody, do you think that Dan Bailey will be the kicker in 2021?
0: Ooh. Uh yeah, I guess going back to what. Uh, McKinney said just how the off season goes and training camp. Um, I definitely see it going to the fourth preseason game if there's or if the NFL still has a, the four preseason games or if they're moving on from that. But I guess it all just depends on how uh, both of them are kicking. And I guess if if Joseph is kicking as good as or even better than Bailey during the training camp and preseason games, then they probably will uh, give Bailey the boot just to save a little bit of money.
2: Yeah, we have a short leash and I'd say rightfully so, because um, there's nothing that makes our eyes roll further to the back of our head than mixed <laughs> extra points and miss field goals. Ron, is it Bailey or is it Joseph or unnamed kicker C? So, I do think they'll have a competition. I unfortunately don't think Dan Bailey
3: will be a part of that competition. Um, I think just his age and his veteran minimum salary, I think that, and lack of success last year, I mean, to be honest, um, I (laughs) think that is enough reason to move on from him. And I think Joseph is the first step of kind of having that there. One at least guy who's done it in place, and I think that whether it's a late round in the draft or one of those undrafted rookies that usually come in, those seem to be the guys that uh that hit in uh or as far as young kickers go. I think that'll be what the competition is open to. Um, and again, I think it'll just be purely salary and uh and and performance based on last year.
2: Yep, yeah, two times now, um, under Mike Zimmer, a kicker has cost us entry into the playoffs. Uh, In 2018, even though it was only week two, um, Daniel Carlson missed three or four kicks. And had we won that game, I kid you not, we would have been in the postseason. I mean, probably wouldn't have done much, but it would have been something on Zimmer's resume that looked sleek and sexy that he made another playoff appearance. Same damn thing ended up happening this year. Against all odds, the Cardinals collapsed. Everything that we needed to have happen happened. And had we only beat the bears or the Cowboys or the bucks. One of those games we would be in the playoffs as that brand new seven seed. Uh, and of course, Bailey's struggles came to a head against the super bowl champion Buccaneers before they were super bowl champions. And that's what started the bucks winning streak. And that's what started to end the Viking season. So twice Zimmer has been victimized by kickers and we didn't know it at the moment that it would cost the playoffs, but it ultimately did. So it goes to back mention, uh, the the, the, TCF Bank game uh, where it cost playoff victory. So <laughs> yeah, I mean he's been he's been hoodwinked into thinking that it's it's we all have that it's locked down. This guy is reliable, and then boom, they're not. So uh, and
3: I don't know how much of that can be attributed to like the
2: like Malou from
3: you know you never want to see anyone lose their job, but uh, clearly that special teams is a big issue. And I don't know anything about the new guy coming in, uh, but you kind of just hope that uh, that whoever the new guy is, that they're they get something together where that that three-person battery works so
2: yeah um ryan Fickin. all i all i know about him other than you know what i can google real quick is that he's he's young and he's not maloof so, <laughs> so we'll give it <laughs> a what stop. happened to wasn't it nate kading was like a consultant for us yeah. for a while like
3: i mean why don't they go with some, a kicker who has done it like i feel like long snapping you know if you anyone if they've done it they that's a rhythm that you can get with it. But mm-hmm. the kicking, you know, it's like a golf swing. Like my golf swing is terrible, but uh, <laughs> like people can tell who can do it, right. Can tell me what to do to correct it. And every now and then it works. But uh, um, I don't know why former kickers aren't the ones who are out there like saying, Hey, this is
2: how it's done. Yeah. Like, you is what you're doing wrong. You would think Zimmer would be open to trying anything, especially if it was, you know, a dude had done it pretty, eh, pretty well in his career. And, Brian, you're like,
3: Harbaugh, obviously, your coach in Baltimore, he was a special teams guy, but he was never a kicker. Like, what made him so – like, like have that fundamental understanding of that unit where he was able to be successful?
1: I'm not really sure. And, you know, what's funny is I watched, um, I think, Billy Cunduff and Justin Tucker. Like, that's why I said what I said about when somebody come right in and take the job, I watched Justin Tucker come in and take the job. Like, you know what I mean? They made the battle, and Justin right. just never – Forwarded under pressure. And Billy, we watched Billy do that a couple of times for us. And during their training camp, they battled out in just one. And you see, he's doing great.
2: Yeah, he's the the cream of the crop. Just All don't right, look Ron, at his last game. What's, you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your next item, Ron?
3: Um, so, you know, with uh, um, the, over the last week, I think Zimmer had acknowledged that the defense was um, kind of the problem, um, which. You know, he's not saying that he's ever one to pass off blame, but he's never, like, it, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to, like, go full blast on his own unit, and that kind of seems what he did, but... Uh, um Based on the team that we had that we threw out there this year, what are you guys' opinions on um, if we just were healthy with Mike Hughes? Um, you know, obviously Kendrick's Barr, um, Michael Pierce—if uh, you wouldn't have opted out—and Neil Hunter. Um, my opinion, I feel like that that would, alone would have given us a boost where we're going from twenty-five or whatever to maybe. 18. And that's probably another two wins. Um, what are you guys' mm-hmm. opinion on just getting healthy and having the current guys we have on our team, getting them back and what that impact would be for this team?
2: What do you got Cody on that question on that answer?
0: Um, I guess week one, um, I don't think, or it would have been a lot closer and as much or not closer, a lot score or low scoring game mm-hmm. because up until, like the last minute it was eight to seven in favor of the Packers. And then the Packers scored a touchdown. And then immediately I think Kirk threw a pick and they scored another touchdown, but having Daniil Hunter in that game, it definitely would have given those rookie receivers and or inexperienced, or excuse me, rookie corners and inexperienced corners, um, an easier handling than the thrashing that Rogers gave them week one. <laughs> yeah. And the Vikings might've even won, but without the home crowd, there it would have been a lot dip or probably would have been 50, 50, whether they win or lose. Uh, and then I think they definitely do win a couple more games, probably against Tennessee and against Dallas, maybe even against Seattle. Too.
2: All those one score games like makes yeah. a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Ryan, how uh, how different would this season have been if we would have had a
1: little bit more health? Uh, oh, I feel like a big difference. Um, some of the key guys were um injured, and I thought you were going to say uh, a crowd too because I feel like I felt like that played a part too <laughs> of um you know like lifting guys up energy wise and things like that. But definitely having a lot. This, some of the key guys, especially on defense, were injured, so. I feel like it would have played a big difference and that would have made some of the other players who weren't injured, you know, a little more confident because they knew they had certain players that have their back.
2: Yeah. There were a handful of players that I learned are backup players and they're good at backupping, <laughs> but that's all they, all they should be. Um, I would say certainly in the postseason, probably not a threat to, uh, stifle Brady after it was all said and done, but I'm glad you brought up those games, Cody, because uh, Seattle was a game that Kirk Cousins uh, took a game-winning drive, those precious game-winning drives, and took the lead. Same thing in Tennessee. I think that was a week before, two weeks before the Seattle game, and then afterward in Dallas. So three occasions where the quarterback did enough, should have had the accolades for a comeback, and we get out of Dodge with a win. So that probably put us at 10-6. and So I think the way that this was constructed – Um, you know, and some semblance of health for Hunter Pierce, Barr, Kendricks and Hughes, I would say 10 and six would have been fair. Um, I think 11 and five was what I predicted to start the season. Uh, but it certainly would have been seven and nine because, uh, next man up, um, is a very cool motto. And, uh, I, I mean, I'll emulate it if I ever coach, coach my kids and whatnot, but it doesn't mean the next man up is going to be that good. It just means that he fills in, does his job, but there's nobody that's going to replace Danielle Hunter. Um, you know, especially ugh, man, like the, the, the
1: gentleman that we trotted out. I, I always look at the next man up is that's your opportunity to yeah. showcase your ability. So you can possibly, even if you don't stay there the following year, get paid somewhere else, but like to show that you are worthy of being a starter somewhere, even if not there. So I always feel like you need to take advantage of yeah. that chance of being the next man up and not just being there, just being a, a seat filler. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, that's how many athletes get their chance. But when we have like six versions of it thinking, all right, next man up, we'll be just fine. It's like a house of cards where it's just not going to work. The next thing I have for you is uh, Bryant. um, I want your perspective. So our new offensive coordinator is the son of Gary Kubiak. And he is also promoted from our quarterbacks coach and who recently squeezed the two best seasons out of Kirk Cousins career. So far, if you were still playing, and you heard that a dude's son was going to replace him, would you think it was going to be kind of the same feel?
1: I would think so because I feel like if he ever had any questions, he's going to go to his dad who has more of experience. And dad will still be there to help, but not, you know, as much as he was, you know, while he was working. So I feel like anything he gets stomped on, and he's, you know, studied under him too. So I feel like it should be a spinoff of that.
2: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Ron, I'm going to ask you this with a little bit of a different twist. Um, is it in the bag that Clint Kubiak will be Gary light, or do you think there's some new wrinkles and stuff like that? Um, you know, I
3: think everyone will come in, <clears throat> um, whether it's a father or not, they're going to come in and try to put their own stamp on things. Um, and I do, I think the knowledge of the system that Gary has Um, done and excelled that over his, over his career um, that I think those fundamentals will still be there, but I think there will be some creativeness um, and also probably not the, I know I've harped on it before, like every single second and one, we run it. um, Whereas second and one, why not take a deep shot, see what happens. So who knows, maybe he'll bring in some of those, um, those type of strategies to play, but uh, I think it'll be similar, but different (laughs) if, if you get what I'm saying there.
2: Yeah. Speaking of the, the blanks and one, so you said second and one, there was about on third and one, about three times this year where we tried the the streak down the sideline. I think (laughs) yeah, there was like three times where we tried it. And I kept telling my wife who watches every single game with me. I'm like one of these times it's going to work and it better start working because you know, when it doesn't, it's, I think one of them was either fourth and one and it's like uh like all play calling, it's genius if it works, and it's absolutely moronic when it right. doesn't. So, uh, what about you, Cody? Are you high on the Clint hire, or what say you? Uh, yeah, I'm
0: high on it. I just I really hope he mixes in some slants and some quick passes, even some wide receiver. Yeah, where did those go? I did <laughs> that was Diggs's special, yeah, or like some wide receiver screens, you know, Jarius Wright against the jets what was it two years ago i think yeah. and then adam thielen a was while that ago
3: bridgewater that threw it so it was a while oh, ago. oh yeah
0: that's right yep or uh, i know thielen had a wide receiver screen against the rams a while back too that also worked just short quick plays you know one two step drops
2: yeah and this is funny because um one of the knocks on cousins is that he just checks down all the time and that he doesn't throw it deep and then we the people that study it and watch it diligently are like why doesn't he just check down once in a while you know it's the exact opposite of the narrative when we know damn well he can launch it 60 yards we've seen him do it and then uh, i i remember you know even i was joking but i wasn't i was like i really wish he would just check it down to dalvin a lot more because dalvin's so dynamic so yeah, and with slants, that was Diggs's bread and butter. And when we drafted Jefferson, the knock on him was that it's all he does is little routes, and he's not a deep threat. And then that was the opposite too. We were like, can we get some slants for Christ's sake? What's all this long ball stuff? So yeah, hopefully he he blends that um, a little bit more. And I think it's a perfect balance of what some folks want with the youth. I have no problem with youth at the coordinator position. I actually don't have a problem with youth at the head coach position, but to think that it's the end all and the Holy grail of coaching is just silly. Uh, so I'm excited about this. What I'm not excited about is if it's just badass and we do awesome, put up 450 points and he'll just be hired by somebody else. And then Zimmer will be blamed for some reason that he can't, you know, retain coaches. Uh, it's just a bizarre, bizarre dialogue at times. Um, we watched the Super Bowl. Um, The only reason that Super Bowl on Sunday night and McKinney, you probably feel this too. The only reason that felt like a good game at all through some of it was because Patrick Mahomes on the other team. If that was anybody else besides he or maybe Russell Wilson, if that was Ryan Tannehill or something, we'd be like, this game sucks. I mean, there's no way they're coming back, but for Mahomes, we gave him every opportunity down to like the second to last possession uh, for his offensive line to get their poop in a group. Um, But it, I enjoyed the game because I I love the fact that old school football won out, um, but the game was only worth watching because we had this glimmer of hope that Mahomes would do his theatrics and he wasn't able to because he was under siege. So my question will start with Ron: Is what did this Super Bowl teach you as it applies to the twenty twenty one Vikings? I think it's
3: the two things that you know we've talked about a lot and like that I'll always. Uh you know, hold my hat on It's uh, defense and offensive line. Um, if you can shore up those things, you can correct a lot of, uh, um, a lot else around there. So obviously the Buccaneers defense had their way, um, with, with the chiefs front four or front five, the, the, the four man rush. Like, I don't think they blitz very often at all. Um, but <clears throat> that, uh, Um, that alone, um, just shows that, Hey, if you can get pressure with four because the other offensive line is, isn't very good, um, it's going to help everything else out no matter if you have Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill or not. So, um, Mm -hmm. and for, as a Vikings perspective, I do think that, um, it actually does make me more entrenched to want one of those premier offensive linemen early because, Again, like we've all seen the numbers with stats, we all watch the games. When he has time, he can make every single throw in the NFL. He has one of the better, one of the best arm talents in the NFL given time. Now, he's not going to be able to run and scramble or run around in the pocket for 497 yards like <laughs> Mahomes did. Um, you know, if he's getting pressure, Mahomes was still somehow able to get throws off and you know, had two touchdowns that hit face masks. Um, but Cousins can't do that, and that's what separates Mahomes from the rest. But, uh, you give him time, you let him uh, find his weapons, and he can be um, a dynamic player. So, um, you know, again, like going back to earlier, the reinforcements will get on defense just by getting healthy. I think that would be why I would lean going offensive line, and the, the Super Bowl just, uh, you know, cemented that for me because if Patrick Mahomes, you know, looks abysmal, it's it wasn't because of him. It's because he <laughs> just didn't have time.
2: Yeah, um, so you would what would you do at edge rusher then? Because it's probably either edge rusher or offensive line at pick number 15, 14. So
3: I, I think it's, it seems like edge rusher is a deeper class than offensive line. And I think usually that's the case. Um, But, uh, and with our two third round picks, I see us moving and Spielman moving around like he's one to do. Uh, But also getting Hunter back, you're getting a guy who, you know, will fall into 12 sacks a year at him, you know, likely. Um and then that makes Denimau the secondary guy back to um not getting double teamed or whatever. So that like that'll only help him. But then also want him as that second year guy. So they can go back to more of a rotation outside of Daniel. And uh so while I do think getting pass rush is a is a need, um they have guys in the system that I think could fill that, even Anthony Barr coming back, if Wilson's still around, then maybe Wilson and Kendricks play the yeah. nickel, and Barr pops down to the line. So um, I I trust Zimmer to do a lot more with the defense when he has a full stack deck than yeah. with than you know what he had was dealing with this year. So yeah.
2: McKinney, what was what went wrong with that offensive line for the Chiefs? It it was injured, of course, but yeah, uh, so they were missing
1: their two starting tackles, right? If yeah, that'll
2: do it. You put, you put it. them in
1: two of the. Two of them got put in the biggest game of their life. You know what I mean? Against a team that's very hungry, and especially yeah. a defense, a defense that was playing well, especially in the postseason. So that's probably a lot of pressure. I would say Patrick Mahomes was still trying to scramble and, and make some throws and make mm-hmm. some big plays, but it just wasn't enough because he was always on the, on the go. Like he had never had a chance to really plant and 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 throw like he like he wanted to. But those yeah. guys were just faced with a lot of pressure. Yeah, in the waiting. biggest game, you know, of the I'm with you, uh, Cody. What was
2: your takeaway as it applies to the Vikings, based on what you learned from this year's Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, McKinney and Ron both said it. Offensive line is important, but um, both the Kansas City Chiefs tackles were Pro Bowlers, I believe, this year or All Pros. One of the two, the one um, Fisher. Hurt? Yeah, Yeah. and then bringing in Mike Remmers and shifting around their makeshift offensive line, and then just having Todd Bowles and that defense um, have their way. I think Todd Bowles only sent six uh, blitz packages from what I read. Otherwise, the rest of it was the rest of his 29 Or no, twenty three times he was pressured on his drop backs was just four man rushes. Yeah, organic. And then yeah, yeah. So my goodness.
2: The thing that gave me hope was before things really started to go right for the Bucks, like when it was still a game. um, I told my wife again. I was like, "This is how we used to tackle," not long ago, and our twenty seven defense was even better than this defense. Uh, And if that's not true, then they were comparable. Uh, But I know that those 2017 Vikings defense don't grow on trees. But if there is a way to get back to that, um, it gives me hope that we're not far off. Like going and finding uh, Mahomes or Watson, although that would be awesome, that's not a rubber stamp to win a Super Bowl. So it gave me pause to know that. God, we don't—we really don't have to start over here. We just need to get better at what we do, and then, of course, offensive line. But I get sick of saying that because we have been saying that for a decade since McKinney left. So um, it's the sooner that we can get that down, I just—I'll believe it when I see it. Then, yes, Cousins will. Be, I'm excited to see how cousin how good he could be if he had guards that weren't career backups. So, uh let's see, Ron, you had a question for McKinney.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> um, coming off the Super Bowl here, um, obviously, I think it was eight years ago that you got yours. Um, what are some of the fondest memories that you have from that team, either leading up to the game after the game or like things that you'll cherish for the rest of your life? What, what do you uh, kind of look back on? And
1: uh, More leading out? up to the game how um, everyone became super focused and they focused in on each of the um, playoff games that got us to the Super Bowl. Um, I feel like everybody bought into what uh, Ray Lewis suggested and it was like staying on social media and eliminating distractions and focusing on, you know, one game at a time. So that whole process of getting there, um, I just always remember that. And then um, actually being at a Super Bowl, it reminded me of being at a bowl game in college because, you know, you go to like, you know, different little events, you have media day. It's kind of very similar to your college bowl games. So (laughs) it made me feel like I was in college some of the things we had to do. <laughs>
3: was your game at the – or did you win it in New Orleans? Is that where it was?
1: Yeah, we were in New Orleans, yeah. Is
3: that a little bittersweet, like being on the 09, um, like, you know, what happened there in that game and then, you know, winning it on their Honestly, field even though they had nothing to do with
1: it? Kind of is, but then I also had thought about – I played in the Sugar Bowl, too, in college, and we won there. So I was like, maybe this is a good luck field for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, as far as a bowl game because we played against Florida there and then now I'm in the bowl game you know, against the 49ers. So I had thought about it that way um, as well.
3: Also so with that, get, that game, I remember, like, you know, that's the game where the lights went out. Like what right. what kind of, like, obviously the halftime show in its own self takes, like, you know, you're taking so minutes. much time away from it. But then what added element did that bring to it um, where now, like, you don't know what's going on it if you're going to be back?
1: It added a lot because halftime was already 30 minutes. Normally your halftime is like 11 minutes. Halftime was 30 minutes because of the Super Bowl. And then uh, we got the ball, you know, when we came out, but Jacoby ran back for a touchdown. So we never stepped on the field as an offense. Defense was on the field. They were kind of driving, and then the lights went out. So that's over an hour because the lights were out out for 30 minutes. We were – halftime was 30 minutes. And then there was, like, a little time between, like, maybe 10 to 15 minutes of offense. Rhythm is, like, kind of, like, gone. Like, you know what I mean? We had a lot of momentum. And then it's kind of, like, lost the rhythm where their, their offense was on the field you know, prior to life, going so they didn't really lose much rhythm. So for us, it took at a certain point, I just felt like we were trying to hang on and win the game because we were such a big lead. Score was like, I don't know, 28 to three or nine or something. It was, it was like, it was a it was a big gap in, in the game, but they made it a five-point game at the end.
2: And one of the things that I, and it's going to happen because I'm only throwing to my 37, so the Vikings will get back to the Super Bowl. Who knows if they'll win it? I've got hopefully 40 years left of this to click. One of the things aside from hopefully winning it that I'm looking most forward to is just the two weeks worth of hype where my team's going to be in it. Uh, I'll be tempted to take a week off from work just so I can wallow in, wallow in the fact that my team will be in the Super Bowl. And I've told that to people before and they, well, you're, you're, you're fine with mediocrity. I've heard that a hundred times, but I just want to experience it. So when the Cubs won, what, five years ago, uh, where I live in the Midwest, there's tons of Cubs fans. So that's what I asked them: like, what's it like? Like, you know, do you feel like a new man or a new woman? And you know, a lot of them said, yeah, yeah, it's just it's unreal. So what I and then you have the parade afterwards too. Like that's, that was <laughs> that was big too. Like oh yeah, that's another thing. I, I uh, this was pre-pandemic thinking. I told my wife that if the Twins or the Vikings if they win this, I'm taking both kids up and you can join me, but they're going to have that memory because I know it might not happen again for 30 years. Right. Uh, So I was like, and if that means pulling out of school, then Soviet, uh, you know, because you don't want school to get in the way of your education at times. So uh, that was my intent in, uh, in, 18,
3: uh, when I went to Philly for the Vikings game, it's like, I'm not going to afford to go to the super bowl in my backyard. So I might as well <laughs> make a, you know, make a memory out of it, go to Philly. And, uh, yeah, that we all know how that turned out.
2: So. Yeah. Um, oh, mm. and that's another one that I, I, maybe I've talked about this on the show. I mean, it's not a big deal, but that first drive when we scored, <laughs> I remember in my soul, like in my bones, I thought this is really going to happen. Like I've been waiting for this since 1996, and we're going to go. And even after
3: that, um, like where they were, they started to drive a little bit and them. We stopped them. They punted it and it was dead silence in the stadium. Like I, you know, like it was like eerily quiet. And then the third and four and case inexplicably throws it um, right to Patrick Robinson. Don't know what he was trying to do. Just you know, just get a punt. Who cares? But then the pick six turned it around and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was deafening in that stadium. And from that point on um, it was,
2: it was yeah. over. So. Yeah. yeah, Yep. And, uh, and that was what was so depressing is it, it couldn't, I always say, that I'd rather just get my ass kicked in a football game, my team, than lose some weird-ass heartbreaker. Yeah. But when you have a little like beacon of hope that, God, we're going to do this and host a Super Bowl, and mm. then it's just whisked away, I had to rethink that theory. I- I'm back to where I'm at, that I-, I hate losing on lost, like, blown leads. The things that drive me nuts. My wife will see my, my – because usually I can, Vikings can just lose, and I'm like, all right, onward. But when they have a lead by two scores or more – I'm absolutely crushed, bitter, like I act like a three-year-old. I just sit there and... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, it's, it's for so the wild. worst part too, like about that, um, about that game. Well,
3: the game itself was bad enough, but, uh, if you recall, we uh, well here in Minnesota, there was a snowstorm, like about a, like a 17 inch snowstorm. So we got delayed in Philly <laughs> an extra day in that shithole town. So, and, uh, you know, I only had Vikings gear with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, it was, it was terrible. It was the worst. Um, you couldn't go anywhere and, uh,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, well, with that said, fresh in our minds, uh, Cody, is, is Zimmer certifiably on the hot seat come September?
0: Uh, come September, no, I think, uh, especially if like Hunter, Barr, Pierce, and Kendricks all come back healthy 100%. Uh, I don't think right away. I think. Oh, if, no,
2: no, but I mean, do you think this season is a referendum on him? Do you think if we go seven to nine again, he's gone? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: Just because, I mean, they won seven games, giving up 30 points a game. And <laughs> if your defense or if you win seven games again and your defense gives up 24, 25, then he's probably going to get to going but
2: yeah it'll be an interesting uh, dichotomy on the defense because ordinarily what I say here is is this bunch of injuries that happened in 2020 and therefore the defense sucked or is it more likely that Mike Zimmer just doesn't know how to coach defense anymore and usually you'd Mm -hmm. say it's probably those injuries but there are times where a coach has just lost the feel of it and it's not clicking anymore. So there's a chance that he might not be up for the task anymore. I don't believe it because where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think all of those injuries, like we talked about, contributed to, you know, the mediocre record. Um, but yeah, it'll. I I think, um, spilling the beans here, I think this, no matter what, injuries galore or none at all, I think Zimmer has to have a competent showing in the playoffs. Um, you know, mm-hmm. whether... That's a wild card divisional round. I think that there has to be maybe not a win, probably a win, but at least they have to look like they belong there in their first playoff game. McKinney, do you agree?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like they belong there.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully they hopefully they get back. Uh, Ron, what, do you think this is a, a make or break for Mister Zimmer?
3: I do, and I just and I don't necessarily think it's anything for like because of him i just think that longevity um if you have you know whatever like every other year he seems to in the playoffs not in the playoffs in the playoffs not in the playoffs but uh if you go back to back not in the playoffs i think it gives the wilfs um enough uh traction to make a move um and obviously um you know as big of a zimmer fan as i am like you know if, if things start to go south um and it's not injury injury related um i'd be on board with just making a change because uh you know, there you only have so many opportunities with a you know thirty-two, thirty-three year old quarterback, and if assuming the roster stays where it is, um, the roster wouldn't really be a problem. So,
2: does, does Spielman go with him, Ron? I think it is a package
3: deal, um, okay. unless you know, like he's Spielman's had some great draft classes, but he also has had some glaring misses um, that he's been fortunately been able to back up with success. Um, obviously, Treadwell was a bust, but. Mm-hmm we had digs. So one's the first <laughs> round, one's a fifth round. Like they weren't the same draft class, but yeah, like you have guys that emerge after, like even going back with Cordero Patterson, he mm-hmm. like was great as a special or a special teams player, but he wasn't that number one wide receiver, but yeah, Thielen digs emerge, It glosses over those other misses. So, um, I mean, I do think it's a package deal, but uh,
2: we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's weird how with Patterson, uh, I recall the conversation around him, as Vikings fans that yeah, he was kind of a miss because he wasn't the receiver we thought he was, but when he's gone elsewhere and been dynamic in special teams and, and dribblings with uh, running back and it seems like people just love him. And maybe that's because I'm not in their fan base. Uh, but and because,
3: probably because he wasn't the first round pick for
2: them. Like yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, if, yeah. if
3: Mitchell Trubisky goes somewhere else and is a competent quarterback, yeah.
2: um, you know, people valid. are going to be
3: happy about it.
2: Yep. That, that is extremely valid. All right, Ron, you've got one more question and I've got one more. Why don't you uh, throw that at one of us? Yep. So,
3: um, you know, I'll ask kind of the forum here. So over the past few years we've had, players who have broken out on the team that were on the team so like a few years ago was Anthony Harris you know goes from the undrafted guy works his way up becomes a starter and is tied for the league lead in interceptions this year I would argue that Eric Wilson was kind of that guy who was on the team I mean as a special teams guy and a reserve linebacker made the jump and showed that he is a capable starter in this league um, whether he's an impact every down player that's yet to be determined um, on a full-time basis but who that is currently do you guys see that's currently on this roster? Um, that can be that player we're talking about a year from now as someone who broke out when you kind of weren't anticipating it.
2: Um, I can start and I don't know if you guys want to copycat or if you got your own holstered, um, and these might be easy because they're so young, but I think Gladney, um, I think because he's so ferocious and he hits pretty hard and he, <clears throat> he can tackle, which we will, <laughs> will really, really need again. Uh, his pass coverage wasn't great. For his rookie year, but we often look at rookies through this lens of they're like, well, he's not very good. But normally, these dudes take a long, uh, at least two or three years to grow into their own. So, uh, with Gladney, I have no reservations about him. Um, you know, being the first rounder that we selected, and from what I saw, I really liked because you know he was feisty and he can hit him. Mean, he always almost played like a safety. Uh, so I think the coverage will come with him, and then. Uh, Bradbury, uh, I think that, uh, I don't know if this will be a make or break. Cause it'll be year three. Um, but he certainly was not great with pass protection. Um, but I, I think that he will mature, um, mainly cause he was, when he was drafted, he was so old for a draft pick and he was 24. So I think this year will be the year that we're like, okay, yeah, he's finally coming to his own. And then, uh then a dude like take like a flyer on like Harrison hand, who had the good game in New Orleans. That seems like a dude that Zimmer can make into you know his his personal project. Um, and he might get time if my cues inexplicably is hurt again, but we shall see. Cody, do you have a player that you think will break out?
0: Uh, yeah, and I guess I don't know if he's gonna make the team or not, but maybe Chad Beebe. I know he had that muffed punt and then <laughs> that redeeming. Touchdown catch. Um, but I mean, everything you throw to him, he seems like he catches it. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe he breaks out into the wide receiver three position. Yeah. Um, if they don't go or target a wide receiver in free agency or the, or the draft. Um, but that's if he makes the roster.
2: Yeah, um, we but we say that every not, we don't say the first part every year, but uh, in terms of if he makes it, we do that every year and he always makes it. And then before this <clears> one, Market like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think he'll make the roster. And I think uh, with him, it just need, means targets because our two hmm. superstars, uh, Jefferson and Thielen hog so many targets. And even when Diggs was here, we know his thirst for targets. Um, and then the fact that we have two tight ends usually that can catch the ball. The third wide receiver, wide receiver three is just an afterthought. And I hope mm-hmm. that Clint will change that so we can have almost like a Ram setup with Josh Reynolds, who you can actually start on your fantasy team every now and then if you're, if you need some depth um, because we have not had that since you talked about earlier, Jarius, Wright, Just no semblance of a WR three. Like I don't even, pretend like there's going to be one. So I'm hoping this year might be a little bit different. McKinney, do you have any dudes that you expect to?
1: I don't really. Um, I really don't look at. Yeah, not yet, but I'll keep an eye out for some. Oh yeah, no doubt. All right. The last
2: thing that I have for wait, oh, hey,
3: real quick yeah. I, I, to, I, I, to answer my own question. Oh like, yeah, that's right. I, I want to, I do and all to caveat. I will cheat because I don't know which one of these three, Um, but I do think one of these three, whether it's Armon Watts, Jalen Johnson, or, or not Jalen. Yeah, um, I can't think of his name. Johnson, um, the defensive tackle. Jaleel. uh, Jaleel Johnson. I don't know why I was thinking. And Jalen Holmes. I think one of those three um, is perfectly suited to be that three technique. I know Jalen Holmes they drafted as an interior guy out of Ohio State, but then they transitioned him outside. But I think his body size um, and his style is more conducive of playing in that three technique alongside um, of uh, a Michael Pierce. So um, again, I don't know which one that would be, but if you're asking a year from now i think one of those three which everyone kind of takes the reps um as the, in a rotational type role i'm not saying we're going to get a 12 sack guy out of there but uh um i think one of those three we'll be talking about next year as a someone who yep and all three of the D-line.
2: all three of those dudes respectively or i guess <clears throat> in a group are what i'm talking about that we see them they didn't do very well in 2020 they suck that's what we think and we live in such a media sea that we don't let it play out. We we forget that Everson Griffin didn't become a monster until about year three or four. And then he was a monster for, mm-hmm. gosh, what, seven seasons? And he probably still is. Um, maybe he'll come back to our team. Uh, who knows? Uh, the last thing I have um, from the all of you, is I'll start with you, Cody. Do you think the Vikings do anything splashy between now and the draft? Do you think that they sign somebody we didn't foresee do you think they trade anybody or do you think it'll be just kind of a a mundane offseason until we get to the draft
0: um yeah probably mundane unless with um i guess carson wentz has been his name's been floated around not saying the vikings would trade for him (laughs) but um maybe that intrigues rick a little bit to shop kirk i mean i personally, wouldn't do it unless they're wanting to move up into the draft. Uh, Maybe I guess it's all going to depend in free agency, how they go in the draft. If they target a guard in the draft, then maybe the decision to go defense is clear on the line in the, or target a guard in free agency, then the intention to draft the line is clear or if they target yeah. like a Patrick Peterson or a Richard Sherman to help out yeah. in the defensive secondary then maybe they go guard.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think Zimmer has even though it's always strange to try to figure out who has the most <laughs> who has power in the draft. Uh, I think Zimmer has every excuse to draft defense 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 this year. You know, he all he has to do is point to the stat book. Um so I expect that um, it would be nice to fulfill Ron's vision of an offensive lineman. Um, but we got plenty of time to kick that around. Um, McKinney, do you see anything splashy that happens between now and the draft or you think it's just kind I, of,
1: I don't, I don't feel like I, I really see the Vikings make too many moves prior to the draft like that anyway. Okay. So I feel like they'll wait and then they'll see how things, you know, pan out afterwards.
2: Okay. And Ron, final thoughts from you. Anything that might make us raise our eyebrows, good or bad? Um,
3: I, I, I think there will be some moves that like are kind of unforeseen. Like I know our cap situation is kind of tight, but I feel like tricky Rick and, um, and his team, they have their ways of maneuvering that. And I think, um, they will find a way to, to land, um, some sort of prize free agent or so-called prize, whether that's, you know, Brandon Scherf. I don't know, Uh, but I think there'll be some impact player that they, like last year, if anyone would have said that we were going to be able to sign Michael Pierce, (laughs) I don't think anyone saw that coming, but he's the best defensive tackle on the market and yeah. all of a sudden we lose Linval and here he comes. So I think they'll find a way to do that. Um, as well as like, whether it's restructuring or, uh, um, you know, releasing those names that we've talked about in the past, whether, uh, it's, you know, bar, um, you know, Rudolph, I think, um, those situations will be, uh, kind of at least solidified what the plan is prior to the draft, because then they know what, uh, what to go for. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, next week, we will have Antoine Winfield Sr. on, probably still uh, high on the victory by his son in the Super Bowl, throwing up the deuces and all that. So we will have on a Vikings alumnus with Winfield. And we'll also have Sal Spice from Twitter. She's going to join and ask questions of Winfield. And that'll all be next week. Um, Cody, I thank you for joining us. Uh, next time we have Thanks, you on. Cody. Yeah, I think we'll have you on with a player in addition to McKinney, so you can pick somebody like Winfield's mind or maybe an Everson Griffin type. Um, McKinney has all these connections, so uh, we're going to keep the guests coming fast and furious. Ron, we appreciate your contributions. We'll talk to you next week when, Thanks, Ron. when, <laughs> yep. when we talk to Winfield. And that's one of your favorites too, isn't it? With Winfield? Ron? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, He's yeah, yeah, a fun similar. player, and he's not much bigger than me, so you know, uh... <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> can bring that up. Alright, that's all we got for tonight, and Skull Vikings!